0: on this edition of alberta dugout stories the podcast we've hit the century mark our 100th episode just in time for the major league baseball season to begin Welcome to episode 100 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. We'd like to start this one off by thanking all of you for embracing the podcast as we hit this milestone. We are so incredibly grateful to have you along for the ride since we launched things back in the fall of 2018. It's been a while since we caught up with ADS co-founder and co-contributor Ian Wilson. With the lack of live baseball to talk about thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic, he's been very busy writing stories for the website and really spearheading the popular In the Card series featuring baseball cards of Alberta-based teams. With the return of Major League Baseball and a few club teams around the province, it does provide us with a little more to talk about. So, Ian, with that, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me on, and uh, congratulations on the the milestone 100th episode. That's uh, fantastic to get to this point.
0: Hard to believe that we've gotten to this point. I mean, it's been, what, three years and a little bit since we launched the website? It's been uh, a little over a year and a half I guess now since we launched the podcast. It's been a, an amazing run and a kudos to everybody who's been on board with us from the beginning or those who are just joining us. So uh, fantastic to have you along for the ride. On that note fantastic to see some baseball finally being played. I'm sure you're probably in the same boat as I am right now. Ian is watching the Twitter sphere, watching some of the videos of the intra games, some of the exhibition games are being played. I mean baseball, at least at the major league level is back
1: yeah i mean i think there's some nervous uh anticipation about this this season ahead um i'm of course like a, a baseball fan so i want to i want to watch it i want it to be on tv and something that uh i can sit down and enjoy on a on a sunny sunny day in the in the back backyard and that kind of thing but um yeah i do i do still have concerns that they might you know, I think they'll get the season started. I, I just am very hopeful they can finish it because mm-hmm. uh, obviously a lot of that's out of our control. And seeing the uh, developments in Toronto, uh, who knows, right? It's mm-hmm. really hard. To, it's really unstable. But uh, hopefully, at very least, we get we get some major league baseball that we can put our eyeballs on for for a while. And hopefully, they they get that 60 game season completed. And and playoffs would be
0: nice too. And for those who have been watching over at Alberta com, a few really cool stories that Ian's been writing uh, with regards to those connections to Western Canada and the Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball. And we'll start off with a team that's near and dear to your heart, the Seattle Mariners. Their opening day pitcher is going to be Marco Gonzalez, who has a bit of a history back here.
1: He does. Uh, Marco Gonzalez. And, and I guess I'll just back it up a little bit because I, I wanted to touch on some of the intent that we had with uh, with writing about uh, Marco Gonzalez and Andrelton. Simmons are the two guys that we profiled recently and I know you, uh, you interviewed uh, Kittredge uh, a while back as well. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to focus on uh, alumni of the Western Canadian Baseball League who are currently in Major League Baseball and just give uh, baseball fans a, a sense of some of the, the caliber of players that have come through here and that you can see. I think when people uh you know when we dealt with the loss of the Pioneer League and the Pacific Coast League, everyone thought, well that's that's just it. We don't get to see any more major league baseball players come through here uh unless they're homegrown like like Mike Soroka. But that's that's not the case. Uh, this this league does provide with uh with some real talented players and uh marco gonzalez was it was and is one of them uh, and i think uh fans in alberta and saskatchewan were really fortunate to see him come through in in 2011 and uh and at that time he was a first baseman and a and a pitcher and just one of those guys that uh highly talented at that point and Really lucky that he came to the Western Major Baseball League, as it was called at the time, as opposed to the Cape Cod League, because Cape Cod League uh, had had come calling at that point as well.
0: And the interesting part about both him and Simmons is, as you mentioned, they both actually not only did their position that they do really well at the Major League Baseball level now, but they also had side hustles. Gonzalez was a first baseman. Simmons actually did a bit of pitching as well.
1: That's right, and uh, Gonzalez, so he, I think he pitched about 25 innings or so for the the Saskatoon Yellow Jackets, who, who great name, great team name, unfortunately they're not in the league anymore, mm. um, and uh, basically what happened with Gonzalez was there was a, a family connection. Uh, his his dad, uh, Frank, who had played for the Calgary Cannons, uh knew the recruiter for Saskatoon um, through his minor league travels, so Brought the family up. Uh, Marco's younger brother Alex was the bat boy on the team, uh, and they just kind of hung out in Western Canada for the summer. And yeah, like I said, Gonzalez pitched about twenty-five innings, but he was—he was great. He uh, didn't yield more than two runs in any given outing, uh, and batted really well as as well and was uh I believe a first team all star at the the end of the season. And uh, you know, in his college days after that, uh he he won the uh John Olerud Award, which is given to the best two way player in college baseball. So he was just good from the get go. You you knew it. And also interesting with Gonzalez, uh he wasn't this beast of a of a guy. He's six foot one, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, kind of a slight build. So you wouldn't see him walk on the field and all of a sudden expect him to do all these great things necessarily. And and as we've seen him do at the major league level, he's turned into a very consistent, very solid uh,
0: pitcher. You mentioned the Gonzalez backstory. Did you ever find out how Simmons ended up in the WCBL?
1: You know, I don't know that for sure. Um, I know that one of his teammates, uh, Felix Brown uh, had played with him uh, in because he's from the Dutch Caribbean islands. And um, uh, so they they had both played for this uh, Dutch Caribbean team in 2008. So the two of them ended up Simmons and Felix Brown ended up uh, in Yorkton. And uh, so I don't know, maybe one of them. Kind of said, oh, yeah, well, I'm going here. This is where I'm looking. Maybe it was just straight recruitment job by by Yorkton at the time. Uh, but really good job landing a, a guy like that. And he was another guy at the time that, you know, you could just see, like, everyone I talked to basically said, this is the best defensive shortstop I've seen in my life. like. Mm bar none <laughs> like it's not even close at any level and he and of course anyone who watches major league baseball knows who's who simba is and knows how good defensively he is like he's just you know the name aussie smith kind of comes to mind with with andrelton simmons and he's a guy who's got four gold gloves he's been named the best defensive player in the major leagues And uh, he's even been in the MVP voting and that's almost entirely on based on his, his defense, but he, you know, he's still a good hitter as well. Um, When, when he was in Yorkton, his, his hitting was okay, but that wasn't what kind of got the accolades. He, he, I think he batted 291 in Yorkton and, and as you mentioned, he pitched as well. I think he pitched uh, 17 innings for the, for the Cardinals and struck out 25 uh, batters in that time and I, the other numbers weren't as great i think his ERA was over 5 and went over 3 0 oh and 3 rather and uh but yeah he was just a guy who stood out and he, of course that arm that made him uh, a useful pitcher is also what makes him just an excellent uh, shortstop. He's got a cannon for an arm.
0: What was amazing in reading both of those stories as well is both of them seemed really unassuming at the time when they came here, whether it was, uh, as you mentioned, with Gonzalez's size or Simmons was kind of a slight character. He hadn't really built up a lot of the muscle that you see on him now, and yet here they are. They managed to do the right things to get to the right spots to make it to the majors
1: yeah, and they they did come across as unassuming, and everyone uh, in particular, from what I recall in with the Simmons piece, is uh, he was also a, called the magic man at the at the time, just for his uh, how much of a defensive whiz he was. but he's kept in touch with a lot of the teammates, uh, some of his teammates from the the Yorkton team. So you know, I don't think either of these guys big leagued anybody mm-hmm. in their travels. They just seem like, uh, you know, Gonzalez, in his case, obviously comes from a baseball family with his dad being a minor league coach and former player. Um, so I think they're just kind of down to earth guys that uh, were really well liked by their teammates and, and respected. I mean, uh, I did not find anyone to say a bad word about either of them. So it's just good when you see that, that they're grounded and, and keeping in touch with some of these former colleagues that they don't necessarily have to keep in touch with.
0: So a few different connections Marco Gonzalez in Seattle and Drelton Simmons with the Angels and as you mentioned Tampa Bay has former Oak tokes pitcher Andrew Kittredge on the roster but most eyes I would assume here in this province are going to be paying attention to probably one of two teams one will either be the Toronto one will be the Toronto Blue Jays the other will be the Atlanta Braves and opening day starter Mike Soroka uh Calgary zone 22 years old the youngest to ever suit up in opening day as a pitcher for uh, the Braves I mean, this is uh, this kid has taken the world by storm, and uh, by all accounts, he's back to his old way of doing things. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with by the looks of things. So, what has been your impressions as you kind of gone through the the social media sphere and watched what you could?
1: Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what what he's capable of in this uh, in this shortened season, and also how he's he's used. I know last year. In the year before, even the management was was very kid gloves with him. They didn't want to overuse him, and to the point where it made some fans irate, where they, you know, circle would be coming out in you know fifth or sixth inning, and they're like, "Why are they pulling him now?" Like, mm-hmm. and it's obviously they're they're trying, they're in it for the long haul, and they want him to to maintain his elite status. So, I I assume they'll kind of ramp him up kind of slowly but I don't know I, I don't know and I also I wonder what it was like for him to he just seems so locked into that baseball life and that routine as many of these athletes are right they mm-hmm. are so used to you know reporting in you know on x date uh, at x time of year and this whole disruption with uh, with COVID and the, the big pause uh, I'm just curious to see what he was able to achieve within that time, both physically. I know he was still throwing, uh, throwing bullpens here and there. And uh, I think he had ordered some workout, uh, some gym equipment to his home during that time. Uh, so, you know, and he's another year older. So probably I assume he's stronger. He's not a guy who looks like he skips the, the gym or the workouts or, or anything like that. So he just, he's such a smart uh, intentional athlete. That uh, it'll be interesting to see what what he can he can do, and uh, and just a likable guy too. So mm-hmm. that that always helps. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. There's he had noted last year when he when he after the season when he came back here that he's seen a lot more Atlanta Braves caps uh, kicking around here mm-hmm. uh, since uh, since he's been drafted. So so that's good. I mean, you know, he's obviously going to be one of the guys that were cheering for and uh really curious to see what what he can do this this season
0: well and it seemed as though during the offseason the Braves made an effort to try to bolster their uh batting order because one of the things that he became kind of victim to with some of the numbers was he had a lot of no decisions there were a lot of games where they would lose to one in the eighth inning they'd lose a couple of runs or what it like he'd be he'd be in a bad spot um, just based off, even though he was putting up great uh, a great outing, and so it, it'll be really interesting to see how um, the off field acquisitions for the Atlanta Braves either help or hinder his progress, especially numbers wise. And to your to your point, does that uh, is that helped or hindered by the fact that you have COVID? You've got a really quick ramp up to a sixty game season. There's some there's some real weird X factors that are going to go into uh, the shortened season.
1: Yeah, one of those X factors too is uh, is the the universal DH mm-hmm. that the uh, the National League is going to have. So he's not going to be. I actually really enjoyed watching uh, Mike Soroka come to the plate and and take hacks, you know, yeah. and uh, and it looked like something that he in, enjoyed as well. So that'll be something that's that he's not going to be presumably he's not going to be doing at all uh, or very limited uh, appearances. Um, at, at the plate. So, yeah, I, I, does that take him out of a rhythm at all? Or is he, you know, just business as usual? I, I don't know. That's one thing. And then, yeah, I was really excited when I saw that they had gone after Yaziel Puig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, of course, Puig got COVID. And then they said they didn't reach a deal. And uh, so I, I don't know if that's still potentially going to happen. But, uh, I mean, they have a really good young team an exciting team and i'm very curious to see what uh, collectively they can do and a lot of people are picking akuna to be you know the nl mvp this year in that that short sprint of a season so we'll see what uh see what they're capable of there's so many wild cards it's just hard to really predict things
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the moment absolutely well on that note we'll give ian a bit of a breather and talk a bit about mike soroka in a way many might not know about believe it or not he could have ended up in the western canadian baseball league he had signed on and was ready to play with the medicine hat mavericks if he wasn't picked up early in the 2015 mlb draft we all know what ended up happening but it leads to the questions about what if so we thought we'd chat with Mavericks owner and GM Greg Morrison about what almost came to be. Greg, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: So how is it that you came upon a young Mike Sirocco? Do you remember the moment when you first heard the name or saw him on a field?
2: Hmm, and We're going back in time a little bit here. So it would have been uh, the T12. I was one of the uh, Alberta coaches there for... Uh, a few Septembers and I might have heard of him before then uh, because it was starting to build a little bit even as he was 16 years old kind of who this kid was from Calgary and uh, I had the privilege of meeting him I I believe it might have been 2014 out in Toronto so um, great kid Very mature kid for his age, tall kid, you know, and uh, what a career so far, right? What an exciting uh, moment for him and and his family right now to be the opening day guy for the Braves, right?
0: What was it about him that stood out to you where you said, maybe we could get this kid to come to Medicine Hat at some point down the line?
2: Well, on the field, just utter domination, right? He just has composure and... and, uh, you know, knowing like Chris Rietzma was a mentor and one of his pitching coaches who actually uh, knew uh, Chris was a little younger than me in the farm systems. But I remember facing Chris and and uh, knowing what kind of makeup Chris had as a pitcher and a player. And um, you know, it really rubbed off on Mike. And uh, you know, Mike was just he has command of all his pitches. Uh, for being a very large, you know, big-bodied kid at that age, you generally you don't have so much body control. You know, when I play in the minors, there'd be guys in there early mid 20s still kind of figuring out their bodies and and their size and he just seemed to know where he could control his body and, and good balance as a pitcher and then on the on the mental side of it just really seemed very polite very dialed in uh concentrated knew what he was doing almost like that professional attitude that you're trying to impart in these young guys before they become professionals um, you know, so I think you got to probably tip your hat to his work ethic and, and as well, uh, like I said, a guy like Chris Reetman and, and whoever else, uh, uh,
0: Mike felt that were probably mentors along his, his path. I know in recruiting for the team, typically you're going to the college ranks. How is it that it came to be where you were kind of opening up that line of communication to see if he'd be interested should he not be drafted into the MLB, maybe coming down to medicine hat for a summer?
2: Well, we, we had some experience with younger guys, some of the upper-tier uh, players, if you call them that, in grade 12 uh, through our involvement with Vauxhall Academy. So, um, you know, we've had players from Les McTavish who were uh, grade 12 kids over the years that would uh, fill a void for us or they would come when they could. I'm, you know, it comes down to talent, right? And if, if whether you're 16, 17, 18, or 23 years old, in the WCBL is about uh, competition obviously development we want these players to develop as players but if you're gonna go out there and compete and and you're a pitcher and you can throw strikes and you can throw two of your pitches for strikes on any given day you're gonna do well so uh, to me it's more about can you perform can you compete uh, as opposed to uh, where are you from you know what's your age kind of thing
0: what were the conversations like as he tried to lure him uh, to the southeast
2: um, geez, you know, I don't think there was any conversations in September at the T-12. I think it was probably in that winter. Um, you know, and it's like anybody else, it's, you, you start a list and, and, uh, you know, who are the guys you feel could help your team win. And, and, uh, yeah, it was great just talking to them. And I think, uh, getting around them for that 10 days at T-12 helped a little bit because, you know, those younger guys, you know, they they have to put a lot of trust in you as a coach and know, you know, if they're, uh, getting in the car and going somewhere to play ball. They want to know that they're in good hands and, and, um, you know, from my end of it was just conversations and reaching out and such a good kid on the phone, very professional, very appreciative. Um, you know, and then right down to the end there where, uh, um, you know, we were anticipating him coming down and, and the way things went with him, um, getting word that he was most likely going to be a top two round guy, um, you know, reached out, communicated to us and, uh, just a great all around kid and, and great to see him uh, flourish in his career right now.
0: It had to be a little bit bittersweet, right? You had this idea of we could have this dominant starter on the mound and yet you had to kind of say goodbye at the, at the same time. You didn't get that chance to even say hello on the field.
2: Yeah, it's happened a few times. We've had some guys that, uh, you know, ended up just never got a chance to to don the uniform for us. And, you know, I've been around at, at enough different levels that I know that You know, the Mavericks in our league isn't the end game for a lot of guys, whether it's a coach, a player, or a front office person. And um, yeah, it would have been great to have him down here and and throw an inning or two and and have the fans be able to say, hey, I saw that guy pitch, you know, in that year right before he went in the draft. But uh, it happens occasionally. And and like I said, uh, you know, there's, you know, when you tell how bittersweet uh, for how his career's panned out. Very well deserved for him. um You know, just the pleasure to be able to coach him at T uh, twelve was was pretty special.
0: Did it surprise you at all at the level of a success that he's had at such a young age?
2: Well, to be that good, that quick is a rarity. You know, and, and as good as scouting's getting and player development's getting. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot more science to it, but even so, for him to be that good, that quick in the major leagues, um, you know, I think it took him parts of maybe two two and a half seasons in the minors to develop his craft, and and really, I think a lot of that was just showing each level that he could perform. And um, you know, surprising? No, I've seen it before. The fact that it's a Calgary kid is awesome. It makes you smile a little more you know um but um you know he he definitely has all the attributes so uh it's not necessarily a surprise
0: obviously his stuff is good but is it that mental part of the game that has really made him stand out so far
2: yeah and i think um you know we always say in the minors i mean aside of those five to ten percent superstars in the major leagues um you know, there's there's 80 to 90% of guys that are very similar talent that are kind of double-A, triple-A, never get there, never stick in the show. And that difference, in my opinion, has to be that side of it, uh, the mental aspect, the ability to go out and compete. You know, if you have a bad outing, uh, you know, you can get out the next time and want the ball. So he's definitely got, uh, you know, what, what a lot of guys don't have in the game. And I would even say, uh, you know, consistency in the major leagues there's even some separation from some of those guys from the best to kind of the lower performers in the show or guys that don't stick so but uh you know he does have the talent he's got a, uh, an amazing changeup. he's got an amazing movement on his fastball uh you know pinpoint accuracy so these are things that uh you do need uh to perform that well but i think the mental side of it is going to make you over a career or his body of work you'll just see this Constant, continual—you know—he'll maybe have a bad outing out of every seven, eight, ten starts, but he bounces back, and that's what the great guys do—they bounce back from pitch to pitch. It doesn't take him a, a week or a
0: month to bounce back. You mentioned the fact he's obviously from Calgary; everybody knows that side of it. But does it make your job as a recruiter? Does it make your job as somebody who's involved in the community? a little bit easier to be able to say, hey, look at this kid. He didn't just get to single-A or double-A or triple-A. He made it to the show, and he's starring. You can be that, too, if you put your mind to it.
2: Well, you know, I saw those those glimmers back when I when I first sat and watched my first WMBL game in uh, 2008 that I'm like, hey, there's some decent baseball out here. Um, but, yeah, every year, I think, as a team personally or as a league um you know we're getting more and more of these players that are popping up and saying, "Oh gosh, this guy was playing in uh, Yorkton, or this guy played in Medicine Hat, or played in Okotok. So it's definitely a, a boon for the league in regards to PR. And um, you know there are a lot of summer collegiate leagues out there, so it's nice for these kids to be able to see what the access they have on social media. Of okay, yeah, this is a great league. You got, uh, you know, you get to you get to taste all of Western Canada. Uh, some of these guys move on. Uh, it's great coaching. Um, big crowd. So yeah, absolutely. Any, anytime you get a kid who moves on and up and out of the league, it's a, it's a tip of the hat to the league, but I'm always of, you know, we're just a part of the journey. Um, you know, we can't hang our hat that, that these guys get to places because of, because of us. Uh, they're really just here, and, and you know it's really a privilege for me when when a lot of these top end guys want to come up here and you know whether it's they want to spend a summer in Canada or they think it's a coaching or a tour that we can open. Uh, it's definitely great when you have great players that come come and go through
0: the league. You've been involved in the game for quite a while. You've seen the game from a bunch of different levels. In your assessment, what's the ceiling for Mike Soroka?
2: Oh gosh. I think it's going to be longevity now, right? I mean, uh, he's, he's done what he's done. It's, it's how do you, can you do it over 15, 20 years? And, and, you know, now you start talking about, wow, this guy, uh, uh, an all-star every couple of years or every year, uh, you know, and then in, in 10, 15 years, you start talking about hall of fame stuff. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. You know, I, I see guys like Mike Young who I came up through the minors and you kind of follow their careers and, you know, they, they, they just put the time in and they do it year after year year after year and before you know it you're 36 38 40 years old and uh you're talking about hall of fame ballots you know and and that's kind of the journey for guys like mike and um you know he's well deserved he works hard and uh you know i think you know if is there such a thing as a ceiling for a guy like that i don't know
0: oh the questions of what could have been had mike soroka joined the medicine hat mavericks instead of being drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Braves. Greg, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast.
2: I always enjoy talking ball with you, Joe. Thanks, buddy.
0: Back now with Alberta Dugout Stories co-founder, co-contributor, and co-conspirator Ian Wilson. And Ian, uh, I don't want to give away everything that we're working on because, you know, we don't want to scoop ourselves. But at the same time, uh, this great pause that we are in, as you alluded to a little bit earlier on, has provided us with a bit of an opportunity to maybe tell some stories that we wouldn't normally get to tell. And I'm curious from your standpoint, what's it been like over the last little while? as we've been trying to tell stories in a different way without actually talking about the on-field product per se.
1: Yeah, I, it's been it's been different, right? Uh I think you that's partially reflected in uh some of the sports coverage both on the radio and uh uh network TV that you see with you know SportsNet and whatnot. Um you know, they're doing throwback games, things like that. So I think for, for both you and I challenged us a bit to to think about what stories we want to do and how we want to do them and uh it's been it's been different when you don't have that uh, those live events on the calendar kind of driving and, and motivating things and not not all of it bad i mean mm-hmm. it's nice to to get that uh um, drive to to go down to the ballpark and cover an event. And of course the WCBL was a, was a major influencer in that because that was, that's kind of the biggest uh, go-to product that we have each year that, uh, that connects fans uh, in Alberta and Saskatchewan to the game. So it's been, it's been challenging and a little bit different, but uh, one of the series that I've really enjoyed that we've done is the, the, in the cards mm-hmm. series where we kind of look back at the, uh, some of these sets of baseball cards, and through that, uh, the the players who've who've come through Alberta, both uh, you know for the in the Pioneer League and uh, mainly in the Pacific Coast League as well, with those Cannons and Trappers and uh, Lethbridge and Medicine Hat teams. So that's been that's been a fun one to to kind of sink our teeth into.
0: One of the things, too, that I've really enjoyed is just getting to know some of the personalities beyond the the typical give it 110 percent, work hard, go into the corners kinds of conversations that you typically hear in hockey circles. You actually get to know some of these athletes. And we've had some longer conversations that um, maybe we weren't expecting in the beginning. And, and even the the conversations that we've had in the throwback stories, what we go back to the Simmons and Gonzalez stories, you've been able to reach out to maybe some people that we would have had that opportunity to talk to uh, maybe in longer form and be able to get to know some of the the characters from yesteryear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, I always love doing the historical pieces. I think um, that's kind of one thing I just love about the game. I think baseball has such a rich uh, history that it's, it's fun to tap into that and, and think about players who've come through and, uh, and some, you know, either odd events or achievements that have happened, uh, you know, hall of famers who've come through things like that. Uh, So it's just, I always find it fascinating just to, to put those goggles on and and get digging and and look back. And I do have one story for, for next month that I'm working on um, about, uh, you know, basically kind of the best of times on the worst of teams uh, type of deal. One of the, the absolute worst teams in professional baseball history uh, played in Alberta, and I'm gonna put put a spotlight on that, and uh, and it'll be it's it's gonna be a fun one. It's gonna be interesting. I've done some of the interviews already. I haven't come close to starting to write it, but uh, that's one of the the articles I'm really looking forward to to getting out there.
0: That's been one of the I'll call it blessings in disguise in a sense of what's going on in the world around us is we're not in that typical rat race to try to pump out stories left, right and center. I've heard it referred to as slow journalism, but that opportunity to take that deep breath, have a a longer conversation with somebody, uh, flush out a story a little bit deeper and maybe even make different pieces that stem from that original piece as well. So there's, and beyond that is it's led to some really interesting conversations after the fact as well um, because people are reaching out saying, Oh, by the way, I played on that team or I was that team's bat boy or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may
1: be. Yeah, I think too, it's, uh, it's important to note uh, that, you know, there is the conversation about, well, this is just sports. This Mm -hmm. is, just, you know, there are bigger things uh, at play and at work with uh, when you've got a pandemic making its its way through the world. And um, it is good for people to focus their eyes and their attention on um, things that they wouldn't always do. So whether that's the, their family, their friends, how they live their day-to-day lives and they conduct uh, themselves, it, it's a remarkably important uh, thing to to take stock you know you read occasionally read things in like self-help books or um you know um motivational blogs or podcasts where they uh which i would count your podcast (laughs) as motivational for me for sure um but where people are just kind of like well yeah it's important to do this and important to do that And a lot of times we know that in our heads and we uh, but we don't we don't follow up on it. Well, we don't have time. I've got to got to get the kids to this, got to run them to this. I've got this event planned for this. Uh, You know, this whole pandemic has forced everyone to to really slow things down and and hopefully anyways, uh, take stock of uh, their priorities. And I think you just can't overstate the importance of of that. And hopefully people are using it for that, uh, whether that's. The journalism that we're doing, uh, the baseball stories that we're trying to tell, but uh, also the the people in that that world and mm-hmm. and finding you know and also absence makes the heart grow fonder right mm-hmm. where you know one thing is gonna that opening week is gonna be interesting because uh, for for major league baseball because you know that's we're gonna see something we've really wanted we've missed and we've really wanted to see for a while and and hopefully it's something that we can enjoy and can be consumed safely both for the players and the
0: the fans alike. I know that we're going to be focusing in on the major league side of things, but we're also going to be focusing in a little locally as well because I know some club teams are getting out on the field again. I know you've been out and about already, snapping some pictures and that kind of thing, so I wouldn't be too surprised if there's a story in the not-too-distant future stemming right from uh, the Diamonds here in Alberta. Ian, we're going to leave it at that. Thanks so much for joining us here again on the podcast. It's been quite a while since we had you on, so it's always a pleasure to have your insights.
1: Thanks again, Joe, and uh, congrats again on the reaching the century mark. I think that's a a great milestone, and uh, I'm really proud to have occasionally been a part of it.
0: I'd imagine you'll be a part of a few more episodes as we step into the batter's box for the next 100. Ian, again, thanks for coming on. Now, with that being said, Ian mentioned something there about bigger things than baseball going on, and that happens to be the case in my world. As some of you may know, my wife and I are expecting our first child. We're recording this episode July 19th, and the inducement date happens to be the 21st. So, likely by the time you're listening to this episode, our baby will have made his debut. My plan for the next little while is to spend time with my little family, so there will be no new episode of the podcast over the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned to our social media channels as we'll keep you updated on everything. We hope you use this as an opportunity to go back into the archives and listen to some old episodes of the podcast, or maybe enjoy watching some baseball on the TV with your families. With that all being said, thanks to both Ian Wilson and Greg Morrison for joining us on the podcast this week, and thank you for downloading and listening. We'll see you next time here on Albert of Dugout
2: Stories, the podcast.